Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell. I'm Chad Moyer here on the Rural Radio Network, and today with us, it's Arlen Suderman from Stonex. Arlen, good to have you here with us on the program today. Boy, it was a, a universally down day across uh, not only the grains, but the livestock as well. Today, corn down 7 to 10 cents, soybeans down 2 to 5. Kansas City wheat seems like it was down the most, 16 to 19 cents. Uh, first of all, this general sell-off that we've seen today. What what was the attitude? What was happening in the markets today to see all of this red today, Arlen? Yeah, and you nailed it right there. Is pretty much the, much of the commodity sector saw a sell-off today. The equity started off that way. Then we saw the tech sector come in and, and push higher. Inflation is the mode of uh, kind of the primary topic of conversation among fund managers today. Uh, typically, that means support for the commodities, and we've seen that a lot over the last two weeks. But today, it seemed to raise concerns about demand, and uh, with demand slumping overall, and so unless a particular commodity had a strong story today, it pretty much came under pressure. We've seen the, the CRB index, for example, which is a basket of commodities, traded to seven-year highs yesterday. Uh, and today seemed to be a profit-taking day across the board. And, and some of that came as it after effects of yesterday's USDA crop report, continued selling in corn and soybeans. But when you pile on some of this negativity toward the broader commodity sector today, that just seemed to amplify it even more in the computers that make up the majority of the trade volume now just really piled on. Did energies, uh, uh, were they subject to the same kind of pressure as we saw in the grains? Not to the same extent. They spent much of the day in the red, but they traded both sides of unchanged. The losses were bigger than the gains when they flipped directions. But they uh, still had kind of a negative bias today. Keep in mind that crude oil prices hit new seven-year highs earlier this week. And uh, so a little bit of profit-taking there was kind of in order. Uh, They still have pretty good support underneath of them with with, uh, consumption going up at a faster pace than demand right now. Supplies are starting to tighten up. And uh, so that's what's been the strength behind the crude oil prices. Yeah. What about the uh, other oils that have been talked about, and that is the vegetable oils? They have been strong for so long. Are they starting to give up some of that strength, uh, or uh, were they caught up in this, or, or not so much, Arlen? Oh, we did go through a period where they did kind of give up, but it seems like they're gaining momentum once again. Is We've seen palm oil prices set a, a series of new all-time record high prices today included in that canola oil, not at record high prices, but being pulled higher by the stronger palm oil. Same thing with soy oil. So this was a market that was strong today. And and with the strength that we've seen in crude oil of late and fuel prices going higher and coal prices being at record high levels and natural gas at record high levels in some parts of the world, that's putting more focus on the new renewable fuels. And the new generation of renewable fuels that we've talked about some in the past are standalone fuels. They're not they're not blended with the fossil fuels. They stand alone, and uh, their demand is increasing. And they're made out of these edible oils. So if you look at both domestically and globally, supplies of these edible oils are getting very tight as a percent of annual usage. And the market is recognizing that once again, uh, particularly as we have more 
processing plants start to open up here over the next few months um, and uh, expected to tighten things up even further. Yeah, Arlen, let's go back to a comment that you made close to the beginning, and that is this discussion about inflation. I, I've heard a, a little thing here and a little thing there, but it does seem to be talked about more and more. How big of a worry is that for the commodity sector? Well, it's kind of a double-edged sword because as inflation comes in, interest rates go higher, and when the rest of the world's in a low interest rate environment, that means more global money comes in the United States to participate in our securities markets, and it takes dollars to do that, so that drives the value of the dollar up, and a strong dollar is negative for commodities. But on the other hand, the positive for commodities is that uh, when inflation is perceived to be a problem, um, the funds generally want to own commodities as a hedge against inflation. So you have these two forces working against each other, and it's kind of been the ebb and flow, which one is the stronger. Recently, the stronger dynamic, and we did not see it today, but over the last couple of weeks, we've seen it more, that is inflation is again a, a concern, more money coming into the commodity sector, including the acts. Like I said, it wasn't a factor today, um, but it has been more of a factor over the last couple of weeks. And so we can still get sell-offs, obviously, as we had today. And sometimes they can be significant sell-offs for a period of time. But all of this takes place within an elevated level, like at a higher sea level, so to speak. Um, and so the brakes get bought at a, a higher level. Uh, and, every, and the supply and demand gets managed at kind of a higher level than what it otherwise would be if deflation were the, the primary uh, focus of the trade. Mm-hmm. And, and we're not here to preach policy or say what it should be or what it shouldn't be, but what the Fed is saying and what Congress kind of wants to do, uh, they, they might work together. They might not complement each other that well either, huh? Yeah, to this point, the Fed has really said it's willing to partner with the administration, and so that means more spending, and that means a longer-term quantitative easing program. Over the last 18 months or so, it said that they've bought 57% of our debt, so if they back off of that, that would mean higher interest rates. Arlen Suderman with Stonex, our guest on today's Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. We're going to take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk a little bit more about exports, uh, some of the things that are going on at uh, export facilities here in the U.S., and, of course, a recap on livestock as well. Stay tuned. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. Let's get another Fontenelle feature. I'm Joe Gangwish chatting with Dusty Mim. He's a Fontenelle hybrids dealer in the Sutton, Nebraska area. Dusty, what do you enjoy most about working with Fontenelle? Good question, Joe. I love the community aspect of the brand. Um, I love that we're involved in our local communities and our our schools and and the things that are important to our growers, and, and that's what I think makes us unique. Dusty, what's the most rewarding aspect of being a Fontenelle dealer? Uh, I think seeing some of the old school thought of that we're neighbors and doing things together. Uh, Our dealership has a strong network of growers that communicate a lot together and and do a lot of things together, whether it's on the farm or leisure and, and understanding and knowing that we can learn from each other. Well, for more on how you can become part of that Fontenelle family, you can contact Dusty Mim in the Sutton area or any one of your local Fontenelle dealers across the state of Nebraska. To find him, just go to Fontenelle.com. 
Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell. I'm Chad Moyer on the Rural Radio Network as we continue our conversation with Arlen Sunderman at Stonex. Arlen, uh, we, we kind of left off talking about uh, uh, inflation in the last segment, and that kind of carries over into our next topic because, uh, as you had said, you know, the, 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 the interest rates uh, affects the dollar, which affects commodities, which affects how well those commodities perform on the world market. So, first of all, just in uh, where are we sitting with X? Ports, uh, not only what we've been able to ship, but projected capacity as of right now. Yeah, it's a real problem. When Hurricane Ida went through the New Orleans area, um, she went right up the uh, the Mississippi River and doing more damage to the infrastructure around the ports uh, than what we saw with Katrina, uh, which um, many people will remember. And so that slowed us down and being able to get the export season off to a good start. The primary problem with soybeans, at the time we were harvesting new crop soybeans in the Delta region, the quality of those beans were good. We were loading them right on the ships and heading towards China to kind of meet their need. Um, that all came to a halt because not only were the facilities damaged, but the quality of the beans in that area were not as good after that. So we had to also wait for Midwest beans to come down the river to blend with what we were harvesting locally uh, and uh, to and hopefully get the facilities going. Most facilities are pretty much going now, and they're trying to catch up once again, uh, trying to catch up with what should have been done. If you look at the 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 pace of soybean shipments which is critical right now because china is our primary customer and once we get to january february new crop brazilian supplies become available and because of currency exchange rates they will be cheaper and china will switch to brazil so we have a relatively narrow window in which we have to do our business with china or if we miss that opportunity our export target for the year will end up coming down and so we're about uh, 100 million bushels behind the pace that we need to be at now year to date for the year that starts September 1 because of the problems at the ports and trying to meet that target. We can close that gap, but we need to very quickly see those shipments increase to about 100 million per week for a period of weeks to fill that gap, pick up the pace and get back there. We're moving closer to that, um, but we still got a ways to go. Okay. Speaking of exports, uh, just quickly on this uh, issue, especially on the West Coast, you talk about availability of containers because uh, that is uh, that's been a news item. Does that is that going to affect commodities? Do you think much, Arlen? It does to some extent, particularly some of those commodities that do in container go on containers. Most of our commodities go on bulk ships, um, but soy meal, for example, is something that's exported on in containers, and there are some other specialty crops that do, um, but it's probably primarily not a big issue with the major commodities. Um, the freight rates created by this, though, are a problem. We've seen ocean freight rates triple this year um, because of all the problems at the ports, etc., and that does negatively impact demand for commodities. We're certainly hearing that from a lot of commodity buyers saying that that's slowing the pace of their purchases because of the high freight rates. It's all related, whether you're a bulk freighter or a container freighter, um, the congestion creates problems for both that raise those uh, freight rate costs. Okay. What's the update from South America? Have the rains started? Are they uh, in earnest planting this year's corn and soybeans? 
They are. Now, it's still early in the planting season, but uh, we're st- we're looking at double-digit gains now in, in planting in Brazil. We're probably, in uh, this week's data will probably show us 15 20% planted, if not up to 25% planted, I'm guessing. Um, so we're rapidly moving now. The rainy season has started. There's still a few gaps of areas that have missed out on the rains, but most all of them are expected to get filled here over the coming week. Now, longer term, as we fill in and look at the longer term models right now they're calling for a very dry pattern over argentina and far southern brazil with good rains elsewhere to the north and central northern brazil soybean belt that's a very typical la nina pattern uh, perhaps below normal in parts of the center west district where a lot of production happens but as we saw last year normal is so high that you can be 25 to 40 percent below normal in rainfall and still grow a good crop if the distribution is good and we have no reason at this point does not think that it will not be okay let's just wrap up arlen and talk about the livestock sector uh it was not immune to the downward movement in commodities uh just a few words uh, live cattle feeder cattle hogs all lower today huh yeah, it's this discouragement about demand and the consumer, uh, consumer sentiment going down, therefore maybe paying less for the higher cuts of meat. And when you look at live cattle, cash cattle market this week, kind of disappointing, steady with last week thus far and below what the trade was expecting for this week. All right. Arlen, it's good to talk to you. Give us your contact information if folks would like to visit with you. Stonex.com. We're over on Twitter. My handle is ArlenFF101. Very good. Good to talk to you, Arlen. Thanks so much for the insight and the information. Arlen Suderman with Stonex, our guest on today's program. Again, a reminder, commodity futures involve substantial risk of loss. It is not suitable for all investors. That is today's Fontenelle Final Bell, brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and your local Fontenelle dealer. Here on the Rural Radio Network, Chad Moyer reporting.